Hey, WellPod listeners. Anson here with a quick note before we get started. We originally completed this episode all the way back in the spring of 2020, which sounds strange even coming out of my mouth. In some ways, that feels like a long time ago, and in others, just yesterday. The pandemic is unfortunately still raging, and we're still adapting. That's partially what this episode deals with. But it's also one of the funnest we've ever recorded, and one of the funniest in its final form, and we think you'll agree. Which is why we ultimately decided to shelve it for a while. Just a week or so after editing, George Floyd was murdered, and the nation began a racial justice reckoning. And we just felt that it wasn't the right time for this episode to air. We also felt that we had some reflecting to do of our own, and we hope that you've heard that reflected in some of our work over the past year and more. COVID also got worse over the course of last year. Infections and deaths increased. Politics somehow got caught up in it all, and still is, Lord knows why. But there's light on the horizon. As of this recording, 60% of all Americans have had at least one dose of coronavirus vaccine, and the vaccination numbers are starting to trend upwards again. At least one of the vaccines is on the cusp of full FDA approval. Now, think about that for a second. In just a year and a half, after the advent of a global pandemic, we developed, manufactured, and distributed a vaccine to over 200 million people. Talk about creativity. We're going to get through this, guys. We'll be changed, no doubt, but light is on the horizon. Now, I can only speak for myself, but I'm ready to start laughing again, which is what the episode you're about to hear is really about. It's also about selflessness, and we present it to you at a time when we feel that that is in short supply. So take a second, turn off the news, open a window, or even take a walk when you listen to this, please. As always, thank you for listening, not just to this one episode, but to our entire journey. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to The Well. I'm Anson Mount. And I am Brandon Edgens. And Brandon, today's guest, first of all, we should say you don't know who... (laughs) (laughs) It's my wife. All right. Hello? Hi. Oops, I didn't mean to call you that. Oh. That oh. Okay, well, you're on the podcast right now. Even better. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. It's all right, baby. I love you. I love you, too. Love it. Welcome to The Well. I'm Anson Mount. And I am Brandon Edgens. And Brandon, today's guest, uh, we should say, first of all, you don't know who this is. I have no idea. Um, But you've probably read his story sometime in the past few weeks. But you know what? I'll let him introduce himself. I'm Daniel Reardon. I'm a postdoctoral researcher at Swinburne University in Melbourne. 
does Daniel's name or what he does for a living ring a bell? Not yet, no. Okay, well, what he does, it, it does come up in his story because people expect that Daniel's really, really smart, and he is. In fact, I'll let him tell you uh, more about what he does. I'm currently studying pulsars, uh, which are dead stars that flash like lighthouses, and I observe them with radio telescopes. I'm in a team that observes a set of these pulsars over many years to try to detect gravitational waves from supermassive black hole binary systems in faraway galaxies. So in other words, what Daniel does is he uses pulsars, which are these supermassive things out there that, that pulse with electromagnetism on a regular basis. In fact, when we first detected them, we thought that they were made by an intelligent species out there because they're so regular. But because they're so regular, we can collect a lot of information about these things. And we can look at the fundamental behavior of matter as well as test hypotheses about the theory of relativity. So is this clicking? Oh, any, yes. any bells yeah. oh, you yes. think you've heard of? No, the name's not ringing a bell, but I do remember the LIGO experiment making waves. Ha ha. Uh, <laughs> a, a couple of years ago. And, that, and yet again, more instrumentation, more improved instrumentation proving more of Einstein correct. Right. Well, Daniel became as I said, world famous a few weeks ago. And it didn't necessarily have anything to do with the scientific community or any great discoveries. Mm -hmm. um, it had to do with the fact that he is always thinking about radio waves, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what comes from pulsars. So he's also in a way kind of thinking about magnetic fields. And he went into quarantine recently and his mind just wouldn't stop working. Oh. So I guess in a moment of boredom in self-isolation, an idea came to me uh, to pull out my drawer of electronic equipment and try to build a device that could detect when someone was to bring their hand close to their face. If I invented something that could detect magnetic fields, say, and this could be worn around the neck, then we could place magnets on our hands or fingers and uh, it would be able to detect the presence of that magnetic field coming close to your face. <laughs> Wait, is it tied to a negative feedback device, like a shock collar or something? You get zapped when you get... <laughs> that's how it's... No, no. But I'm starting to think that you didn't see this story. No. Which would make you one of the few. This was everywhere. No, I didn't but see it. But given the fact that you were up at your cabin and not paying attention to the news, probably right. that's understandable. So you'll get to discover this story for the first time. And that's great. Excellent. So here's what happened next. Just mindlessly while watching TV, I was playing with these magnets that I was going to use uh, as part of this device. And I started attaching them to my face. So First of all, I had magnets on either side of my earlobe, like a magnetic piercing. Then I progressed to putting them on either side of my nostril, uh, like again, like a magnetic piercing. But then I stupidly attached them to my second nostril uh, without move, removing the first one. And they all pinched together across my nose, of course. <laughs> um, and so with all my with my nose pinched closed by these magnets, 
I could only reach and remove the ones on the outside of my nostrils. So it left two inside my nose, pinching across my septum. <laughs> oh, yes. This is, this is good nutty professor stuff, yeah. <laughs> oh, just wait, just wait. It wasn't the kind of thing you can just pull apart with uh, your fingers. Firstly, these magnets are slippery, so uh, I couldn't grip them, but they do require quite a bit of force. You can't just grab them and pull them apart. You have to sort of use some leverage. And so after struggling for a little bit with my hands, I Googled the problem and found a case of an 11-year-old boy who had done something similar. Uh, and the solution in that, after this boy went to hospital, was that the doctors used more magnets to offset the pull of the ones inside his nose. And that idea makes some sense. So I tried it with my remaining two magnets. Uh, I had them on the outside of my left nostril and I was pulling the magnets inside my nose and it was starting to come out. But unfortunately, I lost my grip <laughs> and those magnets also wound up in my nose uh, in my left nostril. <laughs> oh, my God. And I didn't have any more magnets to try to uh, go down this, this path. So, <laughs> no. so again, after just trying with my hands to move, remove these magnets, I wasn't having any luck. So uh, I figured I need to grip them uh, with something else, not my fingers. So I reached for a pair of pliers oh. that I had on the ground. No, I, I knew that was coming because I was because that's where that's the first thing I would have reached for. Now we now we get tools involved. I, you have to get tools involved. I knew this was coming. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so. These pliers are made of steel and attracted to the magnets in my nose. So when I brought the pliers close, um, the force of the attraction would move my entire nose towards these pliers. And it was quite painful. And I, <laughs> I wasn't able to get a grip on these magnets with the pliers and apply enough force without it hurting. So um, <laughs> that didn't work for me. And... Uh, my partner who works at a hospital, I think by this point knew we were going to need to go to the hospital, but I was a bit resistant because I knew that it would be a, a mortifying experience. <laughs> so I guess after struggling for maybe another half an hour with the pliers and my hands and my nose was getting pretty tender and sort of bruised at this point, <laughs> um, I had finally conceded that I needed to go to the hospital. <laughs> so Daniel's girlfriend offers to drive him to the hospital. And as you heard, mm -hmm. she works in the medical profession. Mm -hmm. So he says, okay, well, we don't need to drive. It's within walking distance. It's mm -hmm. right down the street. And she goes, oh, no, no, no. We're not going to the nearest hospital. <laughs> We're going to my hospital. <laughs> <laughs> She made sure to deliberately take me to that one so her colleagues could laugh at me. <laughs> That's a good woman, man. That's a good woman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, while I was checking in at the front uh, at the front triage, she was busy messaging all the people she knows in the hospital for them to come past and have a look at me. <laughs> 
<laughs> After several nurses and doctors came past to have a laugh and ask, what were you doing putting magnets in your nose? Um, I was seen by a doctor who tried also to remove these magnets using some tweezers. Um, but the same issue with the pliers that I used, these tweezers were attracted to the magnets and they also weren't able to get a good grip on them because they're so slippery. <laughs> um, so in the end, this doctor called in for help and, uh, got a second doctor involved. The doctors were basically just pulling the magnets, um, one doctor in each nostril <laughs> and, uh, the magnets started coming out one by one. And when they had removed three of them, the last one actually fell down my throat, which <laughs> could have been a bit of a problem. <laughs> I was going to ask how far up were these magnets? No, but, but what I love about a story is it, just, like, it, it has like an act structure to it. <laughs> it, it, it's, it has an act structure to it. It just gets worse and worse. Like you couldn't write a better sketch. <laughs> but I was lucky enough to be able to cough that out and uh, it wasn't a medical emergency. <laughs> so I was relieved that it was over, but several doctors had more funny comments. Um, it, it seems to be I wasn't the only uh, case of uh, having an injury due to the self-isolation that people are putting them through. <laughs> putting themselves through <laughs> really what were some of the others um they're seeing a lot of cases uh like they see at christmas time where you know grandparents and stuff are trying out skateboards and things it's the same sort of thing people have too much time at home they're trying to fill the boredom and doing things they might not normally do and getting themselves injured <laughs> what what was what was one of the funnier comments that you you heard from the doctors I guess making fun of me, just going, are you sure you're an astrophysicist? <laughs> well, obviously, I saw your story in the press. You seem to be the human interest story of the week. What has that been like? It's been really good. Um, I'm really glad that so many people have got a kick out of it. The comments I've had have been really kind, um, even though it went viral on the Internet and, you know, that when that happens, it doesn't always go right for the person who's shared this story. I've had really positive responses. People were saying they really appreciated the laugh. That's the reason why I took it to uh, the media in the first place, because I, I thought that with all the negative news going around, people could use a laugh, and I don't mind if it's at my expense. So you took this to the press. They didn't nobody sold you out and they came to you. So you, you no, that's right. You decided to, to, to let the world laugh at you. Yeah. I, uh, I thought that it was probably a funny enough story, uh, on its own. But then if you take into account that I'm an astrophysicist and people think I'm, I'm probably beyond this kind of <laughs> stupidity. Uh, yeah, it would be a good story. So, I sold myself out so that people could have a laugh. <laughs> That's a really wonderful thing you did, man. I didn't know that. And I don't think a lot of people who read your story realize that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> that that deserves commendation. That's really cool. I'm very impressed. <laughs> Seriously. Right? Oh, yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. And that's the thing that all of those stories missed. Mm -hmm. 
is that, hey, ha, 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 look at this. Right. You know, which is exactly what he wanted them to do. Yeah. But nobody really tracked down the source of this, was, which was Daniel mm-hmm. thinking, everybody, look at me. I'm the, I'm the clown of the that, day. Yeah. Have fun. That's the real story here, mm-hmm. which oh, yeah. I love. Yeah, because people lose things at their nose all the time, but they try to <laughs> pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> right. You know, and he understood, he immediately got the outside humor of astrophysicist sticks magnets up nose. Yeah. <laughs> like he could see something and he wanted to be a part of it and wanted to <laughs> put it out there. I don't think he realized how viral it would go. Uh huh. Um, it was kind of a surprise. I think to Daniel and his girlfriend. And and I think it was a further surprise that um, being Star Trek fans, they suddenly got an email from me, (laughs) but they were, they were lovely, lovely to get on the the horn with me and do this interview. But I also wanted to ask Daniel about the original idea Mm -hmm. for this to create some kind of a device that would keep you from touching your face using polarized magnets. You know how, when Mm -hmm. you, try to push two magnets that are mm-hmm. that are in opposition to each other, you get resistance, right? right. Mm-hmm. The idea is to somehow have a ring or a bracelet that is in opposite polarity with mm-hmm. a, a mask or a, or a nose ring or an earring or a necklace. It's kind of mm-hmm. a really good idea. Mm-hmm. And it just got lost in the haze of a, a right. really great joke. But I asked him about that. I do often have ideas outside my field. And in this case, I was able to start tinkering with the idea practically because I had some electronic components. The initial thought process was really just that the virus is spread by infecting the respiratory system. And often this happens by people touching surfaces and then their face. And so really, it was an idea to get people to stop touching their face by making those times where you subconsciously touch your face conscious, basically, then um, we could bring that subconscious activity to our conscious and uh, eventually learn to stop doing it. There are several other ways that this could work. And people have been getting touched via email since my story went global. (laughs) And there are people who have expertise in um, electrical engineering or biophysics and, and all these fields that were giving their own suggestions and and saying that other than magnets, you could use RFID technology, which is the same as no-touch credit card payments, or infrared technology, which is used in remote controls. So these are all very cheap solutions, and in principle, it's easy to make something like this. So I might have another go at it, but equally, since my story went global, I wouldn't be surprised if an actual electrical engineer is having a go at it as well. I think it's a fantastic idea, actually. Has anyone approached you about developing it, partnering? Nothing official, but um, you know, just general interest from uh, several people via email. So it's been really good, even though it's not my field. I'm glad that it's making people think about how we can maybe find out other solutions for stopping people touching their face. Well, I, I, I think that... Um... A lot of people in in general, when they think about the sciences or physics or or mathematics, they don't associate the concept of creativity with those fields. Creativity is absolutely essential. Um, Creativity is basically where new ideas come from, and science is built on new ideas. So 
it's maybe a different kind of creativity. Like we're not building art that someone can look at and appreciate. But whenever you read a science paper, the ideas in that paper are often creativity in the scientist's mind. I like Einstein, of course. Um, speaking about creativity, it was really a creative moment for Einstein. He had the idea before he had the mathematical tools to solve it. And so after having this idea, he worked with mathematicians to learn how to actually formalize his theory in uh, the theory of general relativity. And of course, Einstein also made some discoveries that won him a Nobel Prize that also led to the theory of quantum mechanics. And so really, he's the founder of both of our leading major theories of physics at the moment. Thank you very much, Daniel, for your time. We do appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And thanks for making yourself the butt of a really good joke. <laughs> no worries. Thank you. And that's it. Well, making I like his point about making the unconscious conscious, because people don't realize how often they touch their faces and the, yeah. and you're aside, doing it right now. I'm touching my beard. Yeah. Yeah. And aside from like, uh, you know, putting a dog like uh cone of shame around your neck to prevent you from touching your face, you know, that it has to be something that just reminds you. I'm not an engineer. I don't think it would be that hard. Mm-hmm. I really don't. It's a proximity alarm of sorts. It's not a bad idea. No, not at all. Well, on the subject of things up noses, have you ever, as a kid, you never put anything up your nose? Uh, not that I remember. Probably. I mean, uh, everybody puts a crayon up their nose. I put a Flintstone vitamin up my nose. And, and what happened? Uh, I had to go to the hospital and get it pulled out. Yeah, it would which, start to burn after a while, I would imagine. I guess so. I don't recall. What, all, all, I barely remember it. I remember... Do you remember which character it was? I think it was Fred. I think it was That Fred was a big Flintstone, one, yeah. yeah. And I think I was, and it's the hard kind, those hard chewables. Yeah, yeah. And I was starting to put it in my nose. <clears throat> Who knows why? Kids do this. Just to see if you can. I don't know. So I'm putting it in my nose. I remember my mom seeing me doing it. And you're like, no, 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 no. And like trying to tell him to stop me. Uh-huh. And then that was my cue to like, oh, I better hurry up. <laughs> get this thing up my nose fast before someone stops me. And then, yeah, I got up the nose. And then I remember calling my dad at the hospital. He's a doctor. And, uh, yeah, and I guess all I remember is they pulled it out with tweezers and that on the way there, I could feel it kind of dissolving and running down the back of my throat and coming out my nose, the sort of a purple, <laughs> a little purple stream of, of liquid. I thought, I still think, they could have left it there, it just would have dissolved. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just would have been taking, I still would have gotten the vitamins. Just, I know, would just, I would think that the vitamin C would, would really irritate your navel. It would have been, yeah. passage. I'm, I'm sure that's why they wanted to get rid of it because it was, it was it's an irritant. Um, nothing like super dangerous. Uh, but that all reminded me of one of my dad's favorite stories back when he was doing his emergency room uh, rotation in medical school was a kid came in on how old he was, five, six, something like that. And at first it seemed to be just a little stick sticking out of his nose. And so my dad grabbed it and started pulling it and it kept coming and it kept coming. And then it reveals the bottom part of a magnolia leaf and he keeps pulling. (laughs) Now, I don't know if everyone out there knows what happens to a magnolia leaf when it falls off the tree and dries up. It becomes about this, about the size and shape of a cigar. Yeah. 
and it curls up and it's this tough, leathery, really hard leaf. This kid had somehow crammed an entire magnolia leaf up his nose, which means it had to have gone up into the sinus and then bent down towards the throat again because you can't fit mm-hmm. a magnolia leaf straight up the nose. You can only fit a magnolia halfway up the nose and has to curve and start heading back down again. <laughs> so how determined was this kid? <laughs> like, and I'm sure that was his thinking. You know, like, no, the, the challenge is the whole thing. I can't just quit now. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit that story that, uh, not story, but when uh, we were hanging out with our, our veterinarian friend, George, mm-hmm. and we asked him, I think you asked him, mm-hmm. what's the stupidest thing you've ever seen a dog swallow that you have to take out of its stomach? We were, ta- we were discussing which he liked to, which he preferred working on, cats or dogs. And he said, kitties. And I said, why? He said, because I don't have to keep pulling stupid stuff out of cat's stomachs. <laughs> and then I said, what's the dumbest thing you pulled out of a dog's stomach? A doorknob. <laughs> it was kind of sad because the dog was having like separation anxiety. He was trapped inside. He knew the doorknob had something to do with how you get in and out. <laughs> so he grabbed it and just pulled it off and somehow swallowed the whole thing. <laughs> and seen you and me still dreaming magnets in the gap slow music skipping and repeating The Well is produced, recorded, and edited by Brandon Edgens and me, Anson Mount. Our theme music was recorded by Brandon based on a composition by Jonathan Myberg. Extra music provided by Krustovsky under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 3.0 license. Special thanks go out to Daniel Reardon for taking the time to sit down with us. And he's got another invention he's working on. It's a random acts of kindness alarm. Daniel, you'll have to come back on and tell us all about it when it's finished. Thanks also go out to his partner, Raluca Comanici, for making that pivotal decision to embarrass Daniel. And thanks to my wife, Dara Mount. I'm always happy to get your calls, darling even when it's a butt dial. Have a great week, everyone. Change of states We found our states A change in true love In light of Or in spite of Are we our own meaning, not scattered?
Yeah.